The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. It's good to be with you today. I want to welcome each of you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. And especially visitors, thank you so much for choosing to be with us this morning. I'm told we have a couple of special visitors as well um, involved in a ministry that this church has been a part of for a long time called Body and Soul. And I'm told that we have uh, Terry, the Director of Operations, and as well as Amy, the President of Body and Soul, this fitness ministry. Let's welcome them with us this morning. Wonderful to have you with us and grateful for the incredible ministry that you do. And to all our visitors, I wanted to say two things. One, if you would, we'd love for you to fill out a visitor card, and we have some paper copies of those in the lobby, and we also have digital visitor cards now. You can find them online. There's a link in your Sunday sheet, so we'd love for you to fill that out so we can keep in touch with you. And secondly, right after service is a beginnings lunch right on the north building. So we're just going to head over across the parking lot right after service and have a beginnings lunch. So anybody who's a visitor, a new member, just kind of checking things out, interested in the springs, please feel free to come on over. We're going to have some fried chicken. We're going to hear from some elders, hear from some staff members, and we would love to get a chance to meet you and talk with you. So I hope you'll fill out a visitor card, and I hope you'll join us for our beginnings lunch this afternoon, right after service. But right now, we're in week five of Acts, the Spirit-powered church. And that lands us in Acts chapter eight this morning, verses 26 through 40. Then the angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah, he asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shearer. So he does not open his mouth, In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. 
what is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you, and we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this word that you have placed in front of us and over us and in us. We ask God that you would be our guide, that you would guide us through this text, that you would help us to hear your gospel truth, and that you would guide us to live it out in our lives. Lord, I ask for the gift of preaching and for the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts this morning. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So it's the first Sunday of Missions Month. As you know, February is the time when we choose to focus intensely on our rhythm of go at the springs, to focus on the mission of God in the world. And as Ben says and as we say, The church doesn't have a mission. God's mission has a church. God is working and moving and advancing the kingdom and the gospel in the world, and we get to be a part of it. And there's no finer book for us to be in for Missions Month than the Acts of the Apostles. This is the mission book of the church. This is the church being founded in the fire of the Holy Spirit and spreading that fire like a contagion out to the ends of the earth. This is the church's mission book, and we see the Spirit of God moving powerfully through it and through the world. And we've seen that Spirit advancing the kingdom in just the last couple weeks. Last week we had Stephen's martyrdom, We had Stephen being stoned, and Acts says that a persecution arose on that day, and that the Christians began to scatter from Jerusalem because of it. So we see God taking this awful tragedy and bringing the spreading of his kingdom about from it. That as these people scatter, the gospel scatters with them. And the gospel scatters so much that Philip at the call of the Holy Spirit, takes the gospel to Samaria. To the Samaritans, right? The people who are in tension with the Jews. The people on the margins of mainstream Israel. But the Spirit takes the gospel there through Philip. And this morning, in verse 26, the Spirit takes Philip to another person on the margins of Israel. In verse 26, an angel of the Lord says to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road, so he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. 
seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. So Philip comes to this Ethiopian eunuch, and we both know a good bit about the eunuch and also have a lot of questions about him. He's from Ethiopia, which isn't quite the same as modern-day Ethiopia. It's more southern Egypt or possibly northern Sudan. But he's a eunuch. He's a castrated male, likely, and so he was serving in the queen's court. He was her treasurer, and so, in fact, he was a man with quite a bit of power, quite a mighty person in his land. Right? He's got a pretty sizable chariot that is able to hold more than one person, able to hold these scrolls. And by the way, he's got these scrolls. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. And so while we know a bit about his political credentials in his own land, we don't know very much about his religious background. We have a lot of questions about this. Is he a Jew, a convert? Is he a Gentile, just a God-fearing Gentile? Did he have these scrolls of the Hebrew scriptures, or at least Isaiah, before his journey, or did he acquire them while he was in Jerusalem on this great long pilgrimage to worship? We don't know exactly. But we do know that convert or not, Jew or Gentile, in Israel, this man was on the margins of the society. According to the Old Covenant, according to Deuteronomy, a eunuch was not allowed to be a part of Israel, was not allowed to worship in the temple with the people of God. And so we see the Spirit here reaching out, taking Philip, who's just been to Samaria, and finding another person who's on the boundary. In verse 28, the Spirit says to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. So Philip obeys the spirit and he goes up to this chariot and it's kind of a comical image I feel because even if this chariot was rolling at like a plodding pace, he's probably still like sprinting next to it, you know, trying to keep up. And he shouts at this perfect stranger, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch is kind enough to invite him in, but first he says, how can I? unless someone guides me? And I think this is a striking question. I think it's a a question that cuts against the grain of our society and mindset in a lot of ways. Right, we talked a couple weeks ago about this kind of extreme individualism that we prize so much in our day and age. And I think we prize it even when it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with Scripture. Right? My faith with God is my private thing and that's my individual matter and nobody gets to tell me what to believe or no church gets to tell me how to read scripture. Happens with our relationship with the Bible. I need to just sit down and parse this out for myself. I can extract my own personal meaning from this text. I don't need 
anyone to guide me. And at the same time, I think that mindset exists in tension with this reality that many of us have come to the text and been confused. We've come to the Bible and not understood it in all its complexity and variety. We've come to the Bible and been confused by it. If you haven't been confused by the Bible, then please talk to Ryan or Jim because you're teaching class next week. But we want to read it for ourselves. We want to read it on our own. And church, that's just simply not possible. As one theologian says, no one has ever read the Bible only with their own eyes, and no one ever should. The only question is what interpreters we allow and in what order we let them speak. I'm not saying we shouldn't read the Bible on our own. We absolutely should. I'm not saying we can't get insights on our own. We absolutely can. But it's impossible to come to the Bible without a lens to look through, without a worldview, without some kind of construct to bring to the text. We can't read it alone. The question is, who are we going to read it with? When I was a kid, there was this commercial that would come on the Disney Channel from time to time. I doubt it's still on there, but it starred Genie from Aladdin, played by Robin Williams, and it was kind of like a PSA almost for kids, and it would, he would come on and he would be like, great minds think alike, and then he would say, no, great minds think for themselves. Great minds think alike. No, great minds think for themselves. That's the kind of culture, the mindset that we bring to the text, isn't it? I need to read this for myself, understand it on my own. Now, I'm not saying that we should read it alike. I'm not saying that we should read it for ourselves. I'm saying we should read the Scripture together. Great minds read Scripture together. We need a guide. We need the church across time, across space and culture. We need the great millions and millions of Christians who've been trying to read this text for thousands of years and more importantly, trying to live it out in their lives. We need a guide. And what Acts gives us hope is that the Spirit will send us a guide will send us to the church as the Spirit sent Philip. The Spirit doesn't leave the Samaritan alone with the text. He sends Philip. And in verse 32, it says that the passage of Scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? 
Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. They're reading from Isaiah 53, that famous text about the suffering servant. And we should always be hearing Luke's first volume when we're in Luke's second volume. We should always be hearing echoes of the Gospel of Luke when we're in the book of Acts. And here in this moment, I think we should hear echoes of Jesus himself in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. Jesus is traveling a road leading out of Jerusalem encounters some confused strangers and proclaims the scriptures to them. Philip is traveling a road leading out of Jerusalem, encounters a confused stranger and proclaims the scriptures to him in the light of Jesus Christ, in the light of the crucified and risen Messiah. And it's very soon after this that Luke says, As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? It's a striking question, isn't it? We have a lot of striking questions in this passage. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Well, based on what we know about eunuchs, remember Deuteronomy, they're not allowed to be part of the community. They're not allowed to be worshipers with the people of God. So this man is a eunuch. His body is not quite sexed like other bodies in Israel. He's a black man from Africa. His body is not quite Jewish like other bodies in Israel. But the Spirit of God is reaching out to this body on the boundary. The Spirit of God is reaching out to this man on the margin and saying, Philip, bring him into the body of Christ. Saying, Philip, call this man to follow Jesus Christ and to put Christ on in baptism. And so in verse 38, he commanded the chariot to stop And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. You know, Luke doesn't give us a detailed biography of this eunuch's life after this encounter. But Early church tradition says that he was an important evangelist, actually, in his own homeland after this. We don't get a detailed biography of his life here from Luke. But I like to imagine that after this baptism and after Philip leaves, he gets back into his chariot and he's rejoicing And maybe he pulls out the scroll of Isaiah again and he picks up right where he left off. And if he were to read just a few chapters ahead in verse chapter 56, he would read this. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, 
the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. I imagine the eunuch already rejoicing at his conversion already rejoicing at his newfound salvation and calling and coming to this passage and rejoicing all the more at a God who keeps his promises, at a God who always intended to reach out to him, a God who reached out to him with great love and grace. But this whole moment... This whole story only happens for one reason. This powerful story, a story that was actually very central to my mother's conversion story, this story only happens for one reason. The Spirit speaks and Philip obeys. The Spirit prods and prompts and sends and Philip listens and responds. A friend of mine named Cole was returning from Dallas to Oklahoma City about five years ago. And he was about 20 miles from the Oklahoma-Texas border and he saw a billboard for that infamous adult video store that stands on the Oklahoma-Texas border. Maybe you've seen it. And he sees this billboard and he gets this kind of prompting, this inclination in his spirit. You need to go in there and share the gospel. And he's like, nope. Uh Uh-uh. Not happening. Also, where did that thought come from? Because we need to like unsubscribe from those emails. And he keeps driving and more billboards pass and this inclination gets stronger and stronger. You need to go in there and share the gospel. So he gets a mile from the exit for the video store and he starts praying out loud. He's saying, God, I don't want to do this. I really, really don't want to do this. And frankly, I don't think you should be calling your people into adult video stores, God, if you want my advice. And he hears in that moment, clearly, not in an audible voice or an angel parting the heavens, but he hears clearly, if not you, then who? If God can't get a Christian driving on I-35 to go in and share the gospel in this story, who's he going to get? So he takes the exit and he goes to the parking lot parks. He's the only car in the parking lot, thank the Lord. And he walks into the store, head down. He kind of looks over to the left, and there's a big counter. It's like six foot tall, glass, paraphernalia inside, and behind the counter is a woman. 
And she says, can I help you? And he says, yeah, I, I came in here to tell you something. Um, I was driving down the road and I feel like God told me to come in here and tell you that he loves you and he wants to change your life. And she was like, oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Like, you're talking about my, my work, right? He's like, yeah, I, I would wonder why you would work at a place like this. And she said, well, you know, it's, it's just a job. Like, I know it's bad, and I don't like this stuff, but, you know, it's just a paycheck. It's just a job for me. And Cole said, you know, it's, it's not just a job. Like, ev- everybody who comes in here is somebody's son, somebody's daughter, father, husband. And, you know, this is really tearing families apart. And he said, you know, I, I know from my own past of sexual sin that, that Scripture talks about God's wrath being revealed on account of these sorts of things. And he said, but I, I didn't come in here to tell you that God wants to change your life because he's mad at you or because you've made poor decisions. I came in here to tell you that God wants to change your life because he loves you. And nothing you've ever done has negated that love for you. And he wants you to to leave this behind and to serve him and follow him and know what it means to truly be his child. And at this moment, she begins to weep. And, And she says, wow, you know, I've been to church before and people have said that God is mad at me, but no one has ever said that God wants to save me because he loves me. And Cole said, he does love you and the way to life is through his son, Jesus. And he said, if you want to know more about that, I think you know where you should go. And she said, thank you very much. And he said, thank you, and walked out. Like the eunuch, we don't get a detailed account of her life after this encounter. I don't know what happened. Cole doesn't know what happened. But what we do know is that the Spirit spoke and Cole obeyed. The Spirit of God prompted, prodded, sent, and Cole listened and responded. And church, the same question that appeared in his soul that day, driving I-35, is the same question that is asked upon us. If not us, then who? It's God's mission, but God's mission has a church, and we are that church. And if we don't listen and respond, if we don't reach out to the person on the boundary, the person on the margins, if we don't reach out with the love of God, with the gospel of grace and truth, and call people to follow Jesus Christ, who's going to do it? Spirit spoke, Philip obeyed. Spirit spoke, 
Cole obeyed. And the Spirit is speaking to us right now. Will we obey? I say, go and do likewise. Listen to the Spirit and respond by proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Go and do likewise, church. Let's stand and praise the Spirit of the risen Jesus Christ.